0: You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron.
1: And welcome into the Bear Report Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Zach Pearson, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, it's been a little bit since we've talked, man. uh, How's it been going?
2: Oh, man. It's uh, it's been an interesting few weeks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I guess we will just leave it at that. It's just like it didn't really seem like things were getting any better, had had some stuff happen on a personal level. And then, of course, you know, today, as we're recording on a Tuesday, the White Sox have been preparing to make a move in this free agency. As some of you know, maybe uh, I'm a White Sox fan. Uh, they've been planning to make a move in free agency on this big free agent market, and all of a sudden they still find a way to screw it up. So here we are.
1: Yeah, the, the big news of the day it didn't come from the NFL world. You know, today's the first day to tag players or designate the tag, the franchise or transition tag on players, and, you know, not much was really expected, but the NFL, or the MLB, kind of just took it over with Manny Machado signing with the Padres, like you mentioned, you are a White Sox fan, I've known that, um, I, I I can't say I feel your pain, because I was lucky enough to see the Cubs actually win, you know, the World Series now, but like, man, it, I, I kind of feel for you guys, because... I thought Machado would end up in, with the White Sox. Um, I thought that was probably the best fit. I thought they were going to give him the money, and it turns out today San Diego swoops right in and, and gives him what ten years for thirty million or three hundred million dollars.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just it's one of those things. It's I mean everybody projecting these contracts. Obviously Bryce Harper hasn't signed yet. I um, would assume that's going to be within the next few days, and it's probably going to go to the Phillies. And it's it's like every single one of these contracts. Everybody had projected them to get at least ten years. Manny Machado was going to get you know anywhere from three hundred to three hundred twenty million. I mean, this is no surprise. It's not like there was this robust market where the White Sox had no way to compete in it with you know the Yankees and a bunch of other teams offering this high level money. It it came down between the Phillies basically zoned in on on Harper. And the White Sox zoned in on Machado. They had every chance in the world to sign him. They kept playing it cheap. Surprise, surprise, Jerry Reinsdorf strikes again. Whether he's not screwing up the Bulls, he's screwing up the White Sox. And it's, I mean, you look at the situation, it's like, okay, yes, they're in a rebuilding uh, stage and, you know, maybe one player is not going to, you know, change a bunch. But I also think that as a White Sox fan, you could sit here and you can watch them strike out year after year in free agency. I mean, it goes back to Ioannis Cespedes. It goes back to Alex Gordon. You know, all these guys that they're supposed to get Justin Upton. Uh, you know, all these all these players that they zone in on and they simply cannot land. I get it. You know, they're in a big market, but they're not a big market team. They're I mean, they're really more of a small market. Uh, you know, they may be in Chicago, but it's no secret that. They're obviously, you know, Chicago's, you know, second baseball team, and you know, at this point in time, I mean, you could really kind of consider them not a baseball team at all. I mean, that's just really how it is. And for them to go out and 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 have this in their lap, and then the and then they try to justify the the their contract, you know, oh well, we gave them eight years and two hundred fifty million, but we were willing to give them two more options, and and the annual average value was higher, and all this other. It's, I mean, it's just a bunch of excuses, but it's the same crap over and over from this organization. And I, it's like I, I get it. I know Cubs fans are frustrated too with all the stuff going on uh, with the Ricketts and you know them saying that they basically don't have any money. But I mean, it's just one of those things that football season's four months. I mean, obviously we got the off season, we got the draft, uh, you know, free agency, all that stuff takes up a little bit of time too. But it's been a way for a lot of White Sox fans, especially myself, where it's, I mean, the White Sox are so bad by, you know, June at the latest that it's it's unwatchable. And I, I, I can honestly say, maybe this is just motion talking, I can honestly say I don't know that I'm going to watch a game this year. I just, I can't watch the same crap. I know that Eloy's going to come up. I know that, you know, they got Cease and, and some other players that are going to come up, whatever it is. But now I got to sit there and watch Yonder Alonzo. And, and, uh, and, and John Jay? Like, come on, dude. Seriously, like, I don't want to watch that. I don't think anybody does.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, like, the White Sox, you saw, it, they made all these moves. They made the Alonzo move, what, in December. I think Jay is a couple weeks after. And it felt like they signed everyone that knew Manny Machado, whether it was his third-grade, like, cafeteria lady or just anyone that was related to the family. They, they, it seems like they brought everyone in, and they were all lit on him. I thought they were going to get him. I actually... Think it would have been better for the city of Chicago and the not rivalry because I don't think the Cubs and White Sox are rivalry, but I kind of think it would have been better for the city of Chicago overall and the, and the sports scene to have Machado because, like you said, the White Sox have all these young players. They've built up that farm system, kind of similar to what you know Theo Epstein and the Cubs did. And the Cubs went out, and made those moves. We were talking before we we're actually recording. You know, the Cubs brought in John Lester. They went after Ben Zobrist as utility guy. They they traded for Rolles Chapman. The White Sox are going to have to make that move because as it stands right now, their biggest contract in franchise history is still Jose Abreu from a couple years back. Like this was your chance to make the mark, pay the three hundred million, get Manny Machado, or go all in for someone like Bryce Harper, and, and it it just failed for them. And I I don't know. I see I'm. Like I said, I'm not a White Sox fan, so I don't know how to really feel as you know, as fans do, but I, I I feel for you guys, man.
2: Yeah. I mean it just really comes down to one thing. It it comes down to ownership. It comes down to Jerry Reinsdorf and it comes down to when Rick Hahn stands up there at Sox Fest and tells everybody, oh, we're not going to be outbid. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. And that's kind of the thing, okay? If the Yankees came in last minute and swooped in and got him, that's understandable. He obviously wanted to go to the Yankees. I can I can understand that. And it's not even so much a player. It's like, I, I think Manny Machado is a good player. I think that Bryce Harper is a good player. It's more the principle of the aspect, like you pointed out. It's like, okay, the, the, you know, their, their big moves lately have been signing Jose Abreu, which was good at the time. But he's also going in the last year of controlled, uh, you know where he's controlled and the White Sox have already said, basically, we're probably not going to, you know, negotiating sort of deal. So he's going to be traded. They've also missed out, you know, the last two years where they could have dealt him and actually got something for him. And it's just more of a principle at this point. I mean, Luis Robert, OK, cool. You know, he's somebody that's not even a guarantee to pan out at this point. But the the, the overall factor of this is, is San Diego is a very nice city. San Diego is a big city. San Diego, as far as a baseball market or sports market in general, is a small market uh, organization. I mean, there's there's just a small market. So the fact that Manny Machado said, I don't want to play on the West Coast and san diego comes in over the last few weeks they meet with them they do all this stuff they're not even in this race i mean the white Sox have been trying to get manny machado since last offseason when they're trying to trade for him and it's like so the white Sox have been in this for over a year and for somehow they blow this and they try to sell it to their fans and some fans are biting on this you know oh well they did offer him more money and that was a better contract no it wasn't because as we know with football guaranteed money trumps everything so if you got you know 300 million at 10 years versus uh 250 million at eight years it's like i mean just do the math i mean obviously some of these guys maybe the 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 annual value is a little higher with the white Sox offer but the fact that he had to reach i think it was 550 plate appearances and both of the it was basically the one year i think on the eighth year he'd have to reach 550 plate appearances to get the other 35 million dollar option and then the same thing with the other one it's like i mean you're talking about a guy that's gonna be 34 and 35 years old i mean obviously i wouldn't want to gamble on myself like that and it's it's more of embarrassing because now you have guys like Yonder Alonzo who don't fit. You have guys like John Jay, like, okay, you know, they've got a terrible outfield. But it's like, I mean, obviously, they made those moves for reason. And now they look embarrassing. And this is why a lot of Chicago laughs at the White Sox. Because of stuff like this. this is why the baseball world laughs at the White Sox. And I can tell you right now, just from being a fan of this team, that it's absolutely embarrassing. This is one of the more embarrassing days uh, of me being a sports fan in general, but especially with the White Sox, it's just bad.
1: Yeah, and, and actually, that, that brings up a good point that I want to transition to our next segue or segment about this. Um, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We're going to have a little more on the White Sox and how the kind of embarrassment how it kind of relates to the Bears over the years. So let's hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back.
0: The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening now.
1: And welcome back into the Bearport Podcast. We've spent the past seven or eight minutes talking baseball, so no, you're not on the wrong podcast. It's still the Bearport Podcast. But obviously, the big news today with Manny Machado and how it affects the city of Chicago, Aaron. When I when I think of how the White Sox pretty much struck out on Machado today, and and their failure to eat, to to go out and spend that big money and reach the three hundred million dollar mark that was set by his camp, and, and obviously the Padres matched it. It was just a few years ago where we thought of the Bears as probably one of the worst franchises in Chicago. The Bulls still had Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler, and they were coming off a couple playoff appearances. The Cubs were rebuilding. We knew what they had. The White Sox weren't awful. They weren't Really good, and the Blackhawks were winning Stanley Cups. But the Bears, they were really bad. A lot of people was bad. Or a lot of people was mad, rightfully so, at management with um, Phil Emery in there as GM and and Mark Trussman as a head coach. And they transitioned. Paces first couple years with John Fox were were rough. But you know, now with the big news today, I mean, it feels like the bears are on their way to the top if not at the top right now due to what the cubs are kind of going through with a lot of people mad at the ricketts what do you take on the bears struggles in the front office and not you know being competent compared to what they are now
2: well it's funny you bring that up because i mean the the one thing that my anger that i've i've been feeling all day the only real thing that i can compare that to is how embarrassing it was with the the final year of Emory and Tressman. You know, going out of that and just how bad that was. I mean, just uh, they went from an eight and team that should have been in the playoffs, but their defense fell apart. And you know they signed Jared Allen and make some moves, and everybody was kind of feeling optimistic, including myself. I mean, I had them projected as a playoff team and a Super Bowl contender. Maybe that was just you know just bad optimism on my part, you know, homer the uh, you know homerism. I don't know what it was. But,
1: but you were you weren't alone on that. I feel like there was a lot of people.
2: Yeah, and op- I think there was optimistic. too. I mean, that it it's, it feels like a long way. You know, it, it it feels like a long way in the past now, but. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's amazing that the Bears have went from an organization that were not only laughed at in Chicago, but laughed at in the NFL in general. I mean, I remember this time, I mean, just, just to kind of give you an idea, and then sometimes it's hard to... Hard to remember even stuff that was just a year ago. I mean, this time last year, the Bears were going into the offseason, right? They were going in, they had multiple needs. They had, uh, you know, they had, I get a new head coach, basically a whole entire new coaching staff outside of their defensive staff. They had needs at re- receiver, I mean, they had needs on the defense, they had needs everywhere. And I remember. You know, it was one of those things I remember going back and forth with quite a few people and I even had a few panic moments there myself. And this is right around the time that the tags were coming out. And at the time, it looked like the best receiver on the market was gonna be Jarvis Landry at that point that they they hadn't you know, there wasn't any real talk about them tagging him then ultimately trading him. And at that point, it looked like Allen Robinson and Sammy Watkins were both going to be tagged. And I remember talking with a few different people. And and, uh, obviously, I know you were in that, you know, the the different talks that we're having and stuff. It was like I almost kind of at one point had myself thinking, well, if they could get, you know, somebody like a like a Marquise Lee and, you know, uh, Jordan Matthews at receiver, then that would be good enough. And it's like. To look at what they were able to do last offseason, you know, Cleo Mack wasn't even a thought at that point. The the draft class that they had wasn't even a thought. I mean, I I don't even think I could have imagined that good of a draft class in my mind. And and to see where they were a year ago, where a lot, of, a lot of people were like, well, you know, if they finish at seven or eight wins, that's progress and that's good enough for me. And everybody had them projected to finish last and all that stuff. And they were still viewed as one of those really bad teams. I think their Super Bowl odds were one of the worst, too. And you compare that just in that year to where they are now, it's it, it's quite amazing because it goes from, well, the Bears may have, you know, so-so, uh, you know, roster and all this other stuff to, I think I can objectively say, and I think a lot of people can as well, when you look at this Bears team right now, even moving into free agency with a minimal amount of holes that they have, I would say that they have a top-five roster at this point with a chance to improve that.
1: Yeah, it's been quite a big turnaround because, like you said, the Bears were projected, you know, to finish last again. They're... Um, We're coming off another last place finish in the NFC North, and there really wasn't much optimism going into the offseason. You know, Pace had some hits, but he's also had some misses in the draft and free agency. But this year he hit it right on the head. He got perfect draft class, I thought. Really good free agency class outside of Cody Park. He pretty much his only miss. And you're right, you know, there was a time last year, right around this time actually, when we're going into the tags, where the thought was, okay, the, the Jaguars might tag Allen Robinson, that's going to take a target off the board. Didn't end up happening, the Bears ended up reaching an agreement with them, but it's just kind of remarkable how quickly things have turned around for this franchise, and as we stand today, there's a lot of disappointment in the White Sox, rightfully so, there's a lot of disappointment in the Chicago Bulls, rightfully so. There's a common theme there, and, and you know it, I know it, it's, it's Jerry Reinsdorf um there's there's a little there's a little I'd say not panic with Cubs fans but it, I'm, I'm a little upset as a Cubs fan due to the comments Rickett had the other day and now they're out of money blah 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 um but then you you look at the Blackhawks and they're kind of just meh they're one game they're like a point out of the playoffs but it feels like the Bears are on the right track to being back on top of the city again maybe it's just me I, I just have that that crazy feeling
2: well, and and we talked about this. I mean, ultimately what it comes down to, I know a lot of people love the Cubs. I know a lot of people love the Blackhawks. But when the Bears are good, that trumps everything. And th- and that's kind of the, the, the main theme. I mean, when the Bears are good, it trumps everything, not only in the city of Chicago, but in the NFL. And I think it, that we're going to exactly. see that with the schedule. I mean, over the when we see the schedule come out, uh, what is that, late or usually about mid-April? Yeah, it's uh, usually I,
1: the – I think it's the Thursday before – the NFL draft starts.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, we're, we're going to see, I would guess, I, I would guess that we're going to see five primetime games and then obviously the option to flex that six later on down the line because they have so many good matchups. And it's like, it, when the Bears are good, it's good for everybody. It's good for the NFL. Well, it's not good for the Packers, it's not good, you know, for the NFC North or whatever it may be. But it's it's <laughs> great for the NFL. It's great for the city of Chicago. It's great for Bears fans. And, I, I mean, it's obviously things can change in the in the drop of a hat. We've seen that in the NFL year after year. There's a ton of parity in the league. There always has been. I mean, usually on average, there's five to seven teams new teams making the playoffs every year. But I think what the Bears have built, and it's it's been a patient process, and we've kind of seen a light at the end of the tunnel for a while, is that they have something that they've built that I think can be sustainable. And I think a lot of that is because they have their, their roster is constructed in the right way in terms of money. You know They have flexibility. And I know a lot of people are panicking. They look and they see you know uh, over-the-cap hasn't projected at like $7.3 million. Uh, that one thing to note off of that, that's not including the $2.5 million uh, that they will get back from the Glennon, Mike Glennon uh, cap credit that they would have got back last year. Uh, there was some offset language that they'll get back this year. But they have multiple ways to be able to create space. And I, ca- I think that's kind of the thing, like, I'm not going into this off season expecting a ton of moves by any means. It's not going to be the same way as it has been. But I also think that the bears are in a situation where they can go in, they can make enough improvements. And I, I think that there's no reason there, there's no way I could see in my mind that I'm not going to be considering them Super Bowl contenders moving into next year. And that's a great thing. Cause that's the, that's the first time I've been able to say that in a long time.
1: Yeah. It's certainly been a long time. since we've been able to say that. And I, I think you're right there. I think it, you know, obviously injuries can happen. You know, things the, the NFL is weird. Every year it's different. Um, but I, I feel confident in saying that even though the, despite the cap space that the Bears will have, um, they won't have the first or second round pick, I still think Ryan Pace is going to find a way to have – a good offseason through free agency through the draft. I think when going into next year, the Bears are obviously going to be favored by a lot of outlets. Vegas will have them as one of the favorites in the NFC and probably one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So there's going to be a lot of excitement in in with you know the Bulls struggling, the Blackhawks a little exciting now. Um, you know the focus is still on the Bears, even when there's a dead period. Even these past couple weeks, the, the Twitter chatter has been Bears. I mean you you see whether it's talking about Robbie Gold or talking about Jordan Howard and the Kareem Hunt situation it, it, it still kind of centers around the Bears both locally and nationally which is which is a good sign and in just the what the job that Ryan Pace has done and and I feel like he's got the foundation built last season was the foundation to start something you know that can continue on and and be something special now in 2019, they just have to make sure that they can repeat that success and, and win the division, take that next step, get that home playoff game, get that first round by, and, 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 win, and win a playoff game.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's obviously they got to take steps this coming year. I mean, they, you, you get to the playoffs, maybe it was a year too early in terms of the window, whatever it may be, but you got to keep progressing forward. And I and I think that's kind of a common theme. At least I'm going to be talking a lot about whether it's writing, whether it's on these podcasts. There needs to be progression. And that's why I, I'm personally not okay with them you know, sitting back and, and gaining comp picks for 2020 and all this other stuff that I've seen some theories on. I'm not saying that, the, you know, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm just saying I don't agree with that because you lose Callahan, you lose Amos, you don't go out and you don't do anything in free agency and you just kind of stand pat and you hope that you have enough depth to get by or you hope that you, you can sign a few vets that get by. I, I just don't think that's the right thing approach to have and I think again, going back and looking at the Rams from this you know, from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen. The Rams arrived a year early, surprised the crap out of a lot of people in twenty seventeen. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. A lot of people are like, well, they don't really have that much money, and they have a bunch of guys re-signed. There's no way that this team's going to get better. They go out and they trade for Marcus Peters. They do all this other stuff. They re-sign some guys. Obviously, you know Aaron O'Donnell was a part of that. They make some other additions. Adam and Sue, uh, you know, there's there's Brandon Cooks. I mean, there's multiple names that they 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 went out and they made moves. I'm not expecting anything like that from the Bears. But what I am expecting is I'm expecting them to retain the majority of the, the their free agents, you know, make some smart moves, go out and make some improvements. If they lose Adrian Amos, I mean, you don't have to go out and spend $12 million a year on a guy like Landon Collins. But I do think that you should make an effort to be able to upgrade that position, whether that's with somebody in free agency or whatever it may be. But. I think that the Bears have some avenues right now some opportunities to be able to upgrade at certain positions that maybe don't look like, you know, upgraded positions on paper, you know, strong safety be one of them if if, uh, Adrian Amos leaves running backs. Another one obviously kickers one that we're we're definitely going to talk about. Uh, But I, I just think that the Bears will have enough resources not to go crazy, not to be able to go out and, you know, spend $60 million uh, or whatever it may be or, you know, sign guys that are going to be worth, you know, 12 to $15 million a year. But I do think that they can be smart enough, and I think they can take advantage of the market. And they're going to be a destination where free agents are going to want to come and play. And maybe they go away a little bit from the, the young aspect. Maybe they go out and they get a guy like Terrell Suggs. You know, maybe he's he's a little cheaper than people think. Maybe, maybe some of these players <clears throat> want to come in and, and win games. And I think the Bears are finally going to be one of those destinations where they can actually improve their team a little bit more than people are expecting right now.
1: Yeah, and Ryan Pace has to find a way to be aggressive. The Rams were aggressive last year in the off season. despite having you know the limited money. They went out, and made those trades, like you said. Ryan Pace is going to have to find a way to stay aggressive because you can't really stand pat and and expect to be to have that dominant defense like they did last year. I mean, naturally, there's probably going to be a little bit of a drop off, whether that's being number one to number five, or you know, in that area, is it's not. It's going to be hard to replicate exactly what they did last year and. But switching over to the offensive side of the football, one of the things I did want to talk about since the last time we had our show, um, obviously the Bears were connected to running back Kareem Hunt, and there was that thought that you know Nagy's connected with them, maybe Pace really wants to bring him in. Um, well, last week he signed with the uh, Cleveland Browns, so Kareem Hunt is off the board for the Bears. And now the Bears will turn their attention to free agency if they do want to find a way to replace Jordan Howard or even add another piece into the backfield. There are some there are um, some candidates still left. In your eyes, who is probably the top guy? I'll tell you mine, um, but af- after you tell me yours.
2: Mm, you know, I'd have to think about that for a second. Why don't, you, why don't you go ahead with yours? and.
1: So I, my top guy, okay, so I have three guys on my list in free agency f- as running backs. I would have Spencer Ware, TJ Yeldon, and um, oh man, Atlanta's running back Tevin Coleman. Yep. Uh yeah, Tevin Coleman. And I think so. None of them are probably going to get tagged. And you know, missing out on Hunt it, it kind of sucks because well, it's hard to say because depending on your views on him, you know, as a football it, as a football player, it makes sense to bring in. It would have made sense to bring in Hunt. Sorry, um, it didn't happen obviously. But the next guy that I looked on that list, right on that Kansas City roster, is Spencer Ware. I don't think you necessarily have to get rid of Jordan Howard. I think you can add where to the mix uh, while keeping Jordan Howard for this final year on his cheap deal and Tariq Cohen. Because you look behind those two and you had Taquan Mazel and Benny Cunningham, that just wasn't getting it done.
2: Yeah, and, and I agree. I think when you, when you look at the running back position, I know that this has been kind of a hot-button topic along with Adrian Amos. Uh, I, I think they have to upgrade. I think one of the biggest keys to them improving their offense outside of Trubisky taking another on the step is going to be getting a more consistent running game. And I don't think Jordan Howard's a bad running back at all. I, I, I just don't think he fits in what Matt Nagy's trying to do. And when I look at it, I, I look at because I think at least my ideal situation of how I I want the Bears to deal with running back is sign one draft one, well, kind of like Minnesota did a few years ago when they signed Latavius Murray and then they drafted uh, Dalvin Cook. You know, kind of a situation like that where where you you give yourself options. And Ryan Pace has been one of those GMs where he sees an issue and he attacks it with multiple different outlets. And I'm not saying that. And who knows? Maybe running backs not going to be one of those positions. We'll have to see. When I look at it, obviously Le'Veon Bell would be great. I I just can't see that happening. I don't. I don't see any way, shape, or form the Bears are going to spend fourteen to fifteen million dollars a year on any player, much less a running back. Uh, I think Mark Ingram would make a lot of sense. He's he's a little bit older. I think he's going to be twenty nine when the season starts. But I think he fits perfectly. I think T.J. Yeldon also makes some sense just because he can catch. Uh, But I think really when I'm looking here, I mean, obviously, uh, Ware makes makes some sense as well. But I think that they've got to keep it, you know, under that five million dollar price tag because I think if you can spend four or five million dollars. And then you can go and you can draft somebody with your third or fourth round pick. I mean, this running back class is pretty damn loaded. I mean, there's just really no way around that. It's just going to be a matter of can the Bears get their top you know their top target in the third round at the end of the third round whether that be devin singletary whether that be uh henderson whether that i i don't know i i mean there's so many different options and obviously we'll get into that more later on but i do think that their best option is going to be sign a guy for you know a a maximum of five million dollars per year kind of backload that a little bit whether that's a two or three year deal and how you do it and then you also draft one as well
1: yeah i agree with you i think you know, you, you got to keep it under that certain amount of money because you don't have the obvious cap space to uh, go out and spend a big, you know, contract like Le'Veon Bell, which uh, is ideal. I mean, Le'Veon Bell would be a great running back in this offense. It's just not going to happen. It's not. It's not feasible for the Bears' offense. Um, and, and, you know, going into this scouting combine in a couple weeks, there are some intriguing running backs that I want to keep an eye on, and I hope the Bears keep an eye on. I wrote about it, actually, for the Bear Report. There's a couple guys. Um, Darrell Henderson from, from Memphis is another guy who could come in, another Memphis guy like Anthony Miller come in and be a big play running back. Um, and the guy that's kind of the sleeper to me is um, Travis Homer out of Miami. He's right now, he's projected to be a day three pick or undrafted. And if the Bears could maybe pick him up as an undrafted rookie, that'd just be icing on the cake because it you know essentially wouldn't cost them much. It wouldn't even cost them a draft pick.
2: Yeah, well, and and like you said, man, there, there's so many good players out there right now, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they're going to approach this because in the the reality of the, the matter is, is running back in terms of uh, you know monetary value or pick value is not usually very high unless you can get a guy uh, like you know Saquon Barkley, uh, Todd Gurley, guys like that, but. I think it kind of depends because I think there's kind of a guy for every round, you know, and if you're looking kind of more towards what you're saying, a day three pick, I think somebody that could make a lot of sense for them, uh, you know, could be a guy like Benny Snell, but another guy, and he's got some injury risk involved, which is why you want a veteran in there as well, and maybe this is a homer pick on my part because I'm an OU fan, but Rodney Anderson I think would make a lot of sense. Obviously, he's had some serious, serious injuries. None of them really tie together. Uh, I mean, you could label him as injury prone, absolutely. But man, he's got the the ability to be a great running back, and it's kind of one of those things you want to take a lotto pick on a guy, you know, in the fifth round or something like that. I think he would make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of glad you brought up the injury uh, thing because I thought before you said your Homer pick, because obviously I know you're uh, Oklahoma fan. Before you said that, I thought you were going to say Bryce Love out of Stanford, a guy who, if he doesn't get tears ACL, he's probably a first round pick, but now you know, a lot of mocks have him falling to the third, fourth, even fifth round. And Ryan Pace, he's made picks before. Look at Kevin White with the injury history. Things like that. And it didn't work out for him. But at the same time, you know, he took a guy like Eddie Jackson, who probably would have been a first or second round pick if he didn't suffer an injury at Alabama in his final season. So I think Bryce Love is intriguing just because I think the reward outweigh- outweighs the risk. Um, I think love has the first round talent he's an ideal back for this offense he can catch passes out of the backfield and if if he's there maybe in the fourth round i think bears probably should take a chance um before we get into my other part of kind of our mini free agency preview here and our tag stuff uh let's take one more break from our sponsors and then we'll be right back And welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. Um, I am your host, Zach Pierce. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Aaron Lemming. And we just got done talking about kind of replacing Jordan Howard. Uh, We didn't want to talk too much about it going into the free agency period because we're going to have a little special free agency show. We're going to have a lot more to talk about before the free agency period starts in the next couple weeks. But I want to kind of transition over to kickers because today was the first day for teams to use that franchise or transition tag um, and the report that was out Monday was that San Francisco is going to tag or is likely going to tag Robbie Golden he was probably number one kicker on a lot of Bears fans list obviously there's the connection there with the Bears him playing at Soldier Field for most of his career now that Gold is off the is are essentially going to be off the market the Bears I still think will be in in the hunt for maybe like a veteran kicker, they've already brought in Redford Jones and they still have Cody Parkey on the roster, but do you see any veteran kickers or, or do you see the Bears not bringing in a veteran kicker, or maybe just going through the draft?
2: I think that you're going to see, I think this is absolutely one of those positions where you're going to see Ryan Pace attack from multiple angles. And I know logistically speaking, it doesn't make a ton of sense for them to bring three guys into camp. Uh, but I also think that when you have the kind of roster the Bears have, where you're not going to have many roster spots, you're probably not going to have any starting spots up for grabs, and you're probably not going to have a lot of roster spots and generals up for grabs, you can afford to bring in three kickers. So I, I think, I, I honestly think that the Bears are still going to go out and they're going to sign a veteran of some sort, whether that be. A Matt Bryant, uh, who's still out on the market, who could make some sense. I mean, he's been mainly a dome kicker, but he's been pretty good outdoors. He's he's definitely older. I mean, he's he's what mid forties, so I mean, it's it's not a, exactly an ideal option. Uh, I, there's been a few people who brought up Stephen Guskowski. I don't think that makes any sense. Uh, one, he's getting a little older, and two, he just hasn't really looked like the same kicker lately. If you go back and you look at his numbers, I mean, he really hasn't been that good lately. Uh, plus, that's a pretty good amount of money to spend on somebody like that. I think that, uh, you know, th- there's there's a few different options out there. The, the one that I'm actually really intrigued with, and I'm kind of weirded out that that he wasn't a bigger uh, name or, you know, had more interest uh, this past offseason was Kai Forbath. I mean, he he kicked really well with Minnesota. Minnesota decided to go, I mean, he, he kicked well in camp too, kicked well in preseason, but they decided to go with Daniel Carlson, who they, you know, spent a draft pick on and then subsequently cut him. I think it was after week two. But, I mean, he's somebody else that can make sense, too. I think really what you're looking for here is you're looking for a guy that you can bring in, you know, at one, one and a half million, maybe two million with a low, low guarantee. So if you cut him, it doesn't really hurt that much. And then you go through in the draft process. If you can find somebody in the draft, cool. If you want to bring in the best undrafted free agent that, you know, you can find or that money can buy in that kind of situation with a bonus, and that's great as well. But I think that you have to, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who Redford Jones is. I still don't know who he is. I don't understand why they signed him to begin with. But I think that if you're going to go with somebody like that, you still got Cody Parking on the roster. I think it's just a matter of time before he gets cut. I think you've got to have at least one or two more options. And I don't know if I feel safe with you know a, a seventh-round pick, a, a kicker, and then Redford Jones. Like I think you want multiple options in that kind of situation. Yeah, the
1: thing is you want competition. The Bears— You know, I've had kickers come in for competition, but it it, it hasn't really been a competition the last couple years, especially um, I I think it was actually you that tweeted it, wasn't it, about the Andy Phillips and Connor Barth thing um, not actually being a competition.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they've had a few, and that's that's my other concern too, is they've had a few different quote-unquote competitions that haven't been competitions. It was the... You know, the the Andy Phillips and and Connor Barth, I mean, John Fox had basically already made up his mind, and I think it was DiCamillis at the time, or who was it? Who was their—I their, I can't even remember. Yeah, I think they, it
1: was uh, Joe DiCamillis.
2: Yeah, they, they basically had already made up their mind that they won Connor Barth because that was their guy or whatever it was. And then before that, I mean, you look at—and that's kind of my that's my issue with if they were to draft a kicker. You spend a 6th or 7th round pick on a kicker. I mean, obviously the Bears don't have a 6th round pick right now, but they spent a 6th round pick on a punter, Pat O'Donnell, back, uh, what was that, 2014, I want to say, 2015? I'm kind of losing track of my years here. Either way, they spent a 6th round pick on him. They bring in Tressway from Oklahoma. Tressway out-punts uh, O'Donnell and Campy. It, it wasn't Campy. even close either. <laughs> exactly, And but they by default, they took Pat O'Donnell. And The thing is and it's kind of the same thing. I mean obviously Andy Phillips hasn't done anything since whatever but the the point being here is that the Bears seem to lock on and they say oh, it's gonna be a competition and then it doesn't end up being Competition they they missed out on Jake Elliott. They missed out on Harrison Butker uh, You know these guys that got cut that they could have brought in as well and instead they focused on a guy like Roberto Aguayo. It, it just I mean they've got to have more awareness And my main concern is if they're going to have some sort of competition that they don't crown, you know, whoever it is, whether it be Redford Jones because they signed him this early, whether it be a guy that they they spent a seventh round pick on or whatever it may be. Have an open competition. Your team's entire Super Bowl hopes depend on it. We just saw it. We saw Cody Parker cost him two games. Get the kicking situation right. Obviously, if Robbie Gould's not there, he's not there. That's that is that is what it is. But you still got to find a way to make it work. And having an open competition is the best way possible. Even if you're recycling four or five names through now, in between the time that they finalize their roster in Week One, you got to do something.
1: I agree with that, and I I, I want to see them bring in as many kickers as they possibly can. Um, you know, through these OTAs and and even into training camp. I. I I don't want it to be like you said, how it's been in the past, where it's just been a competition, but it's not really been a competition. You got to find the right kicker, whether it's through the draft, or you draft someone in the seventh round, or bring in a couple undrafted guys. You got to have more than what they have right now, because as you said, they have Cody Parkey and Redmond Jones right now. So, you know, whether it is bringing in a veteran like Matt Bryant to come in and compete on, on a very cheap deal, or looking through the draft, I don't care if they bring in six, seven, eight guys. Just find a damn kicker. That can go out there and make a field goal in crunch time when you need it, and not hit the upright twice and all that stuff. And it's also a little frustrating because I don't know how much of you've watched of this new Alliance of American Football, but these kickers are going out there and just drilling 53 yard field goals like it, like it's nothing.
2: Yeah, I've watched a little bit. Uh, the Salt Lake kicker actually kind of caught my eye, and I think one of those kicks that he missed. He ended up missing three kicks, and I was like, "Well, this is kind of embarrassing." Not even pointed them out on Twitter, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely some names out there. And I think that the and that's another thing that Ryan Pace has talked about. They're going to keep an eye on because you're not going to you're not going to take a quarterback or receiver or whatever from, you know, the the AAF. I mean, you're looking at, you know, maybe a defensive lineman or some death pieces or a kicker or a punter. You know, those kind of names are the kind of guys that maybe you can find because we see it all the time where maybe these kickers get overlooked as they're coming out of the draft or even as undrafted free agents. And they come out of nowhere. And maybe they don't have the best college stats, and they come out of nowhere, and they end up being really good kickers. I mean, that's the same thing that have with Robbie Gould. He went undrafted out of Penn State. His kicking percentage at Penn State was pretty bad, and he is one of the best kickers of all time. I mean, it's just kicking. Special teams evaluations in general are a far from perfect, you know, science. But especially when you're talking kickers, I mean, you, you've got to give yourselves as many chances as possible to be able to make the right decision and get the right guy
1: yeah it's not easy evaluating special teams. it's not easy evaluating anything in the NFL but just for some reason you know the Bears have had Ryan Pace has had his big struggles evaluating special teams and, and whether it's the kicker position or punter with Pat O'Donnell struggling over the last couple games of the season or even um, the kickoff return situation. It's just been mind-boggling and frustrating and and confusing how they can't get this right. I I can't tell you how many times I've sat there and watched the game whether I've been in the press box or watching a road game from home where it's been, okay, you know, why are they still taking the ball out of the end zone when they could easily have the 20-25 yards right there? Like it's just it's very mind-boggling to to kind of see and in and these frustrations of the special teams, you know, and then topping it all off with Cody Parking missing a kick to send to send the Bears to the divisional round.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just something they got to get figured out, and I think that just kind of goes with the theme of the off in terms of. Ryan Pace is going to identify positions of need, and he's going to attack those in multiple different ways. The good news is the Bears don't have a ton of positions of need, and I think there's going to be at least one less by the time they actually hit free agency. I think one way or another, I I think it's going to be Bryce Callahan, but I think they'll find a way to retain one of those guys. And, And like I said, I mean, whether it be running back, Uh, whether it be a position we're not focusing on obviously kicker. I mean punters another one I I don't think I think the bears would be stupid to sign resign paddle Donald. I think that they need to go out. I mean punters are a dime a dozen But you need to go out and you need to try to find somebody who's an upgrade in that position as well But yeah, I I agree with that. These are the kind of spots mean maybe they're not overly important Uh when you're looking at them singularly, but when you look at where the bears are at right now They need an upgrade at kicker. They need better production from their running backs They need to take these little steps and I think this is going to be When we look back uh, one way or another, I think these are the the kind of positions that we're going to look back on with the Bears and say either they handled them and they got farther this year, they won a Super Bowl, they made it to the Super Bowl, whatever it is, or they didn't handle them and it blew up in their face. And because of that, there was another early exit and we're sitting here this time next year wondering... Once again, what could have been if they would just had these positions figured out?
1: And essentially talking about the same stuff, you know, when are they going to get these positions figured out? What's it going to take? How are they going to get to that next step? And I don't want to see the Bears take a step backwards. That would just be very disappointing because I feel like Ryan Pace has his coach. I think he has his quarterback. He has his defense. He has a star on defense. He has very, very, very good other players on defense. And he has a solid offense. So, you know, for it to, for it to come down the special teams is unfortunate, but... You know, we can't keep sitting here and harping on that. It, it, it's time to fix it. And, you know, before we go and close out the show, I just want to kind of get your closing thoughts on these next couple of weeks because obviously next week we'll we'll hear from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy at the NFL Scouting Combine. That's kind of the beginning of this whole offseason thing. Yeah, the transition to the franchise tag was today on Tuesday, but the Scouting Combine kind of just kicks things off. And then right after that you have free agency and then you lead right into the NFL draft.
2: Well, I mean, like you said, man, this is kind of when things pick up. I mean, obviously, if you're listening this week, then it's it's kind of before the combine because realistically, the combine starts, I think it's, what, Tuesday or Wednesday. But the more, you know, really what's going to happen is drills don't even start until Friday. So you basically will have Friday through, I think, Monday is when the drills and all that stuff happen. But the big thing to keep in mind is, where a lot of free agency moves, regardless if they want to call it tampering, whatever they want to call it, that's when a lot of free agency stuff kind of gets built. That's where plans get built. Like you pointed out, we'll hear from Ryan Pace, we'll hear from Matt Nagy. uh, Or I think we'll hear from Matt Nagy, I think. But anyway, we'll We'll hear
1: from both at the combine.
2: Exactly. So I mean, we'll we'll hear from them, they'll kind of give us a better idea. This is also the kind of time of year where you're going to want to start paying attention to guys like Brad Biggs, Adam Johns, people who usually get good information. This is about the time that you're going to start seeing little bits and pieces. Cuz I tell you right now, I've I've reached out to multiple people and the bears are being very mum on what their plans are. Uh I like I said I and and really all I've gotten is I, you know, don't expect the Bears to be as quiet as everybody thinks they are. They're going to make some moves. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we got the combine starting next week. The tag, the tag deadline, or the, more of the point, the tag period has already started. The, the deadline for it ends right after the combine ends. Uh, we'll start seeing some tags kind of fly around, I would assume, probably uh, you know mid-next week to next weekend. And then after that, I mean, you got the the uh, the legal, quote unquote, legal tampering period that they have that starts March 11th. I mean, that's that's Monday. So that's I mean, that's a what not even three weeks away that we're talking that really the, the start of free agency will really happen because usually Monday is when things pick up Monday nights when players start signing and then Tuesday the same thing and then Wednesday and everything really kicks off when the the official new league year starts but I mean this is we're kind of at the uh, the tip of the iceberg here in terms of when everything is going to start start happening and like I said I and I could be wrong I could be completely off base on this but I really do think the Bears are going to make a little bit more noise than than most people are expecting and I think at least in my mind I think they have to.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very exciting in the next couple of weeks. I'm definitely excited for it. I plan on going down to the scouting combine. We're going to have plenty of content. Hopefully, land of a couple of interviews. Maybe we can run some on the podcast um, over the next couple of weeks. And and you know, as always, we're going to have fresh content on the Bearport website. We're going to have covered the entire off season, exclusive coverage. And and you know, Aaron does a great job with it. I'm going to do my best to go and, and get as much info as I can. So I, I'm just excited that we're finally getting you know back into the swing of things with football in the offseason
2: it's about damn time man it feels like a long time ago since the bears lost i mean we've been kind of in limbo and we've been kind of talking about the same topics over and over so it'll be it'll be nice to kind of start seeing this stuff come to fruition because i have to admit i mean i'm a little i'm anxious i mean i'm not like you know nervous by any means but i'm definitely anxious to see what direction the bears are going to go into because there's not a you know, when you look at some of these positions, I mean, there's not a lot of clear upgrades. Like, the Bears are going to have to get creative. It's kind of like last year. The Bears are going to have to get creative. They're going to make some moves that we're not expecting. And that's the fun part about the NFL offseason is that. You can project all the things that you want, and I do that. I make all sorts of mock off season, all sorts of stuff, and you look back on them, and you may be hit on two, of the three, you know, two or three moves out of the you know twenty-five or thirty that they made. I mean, this is the fun part of the off season, and these next these next few months are going to be fun before we really kind of get in the lull before the season starts again.
1: I can't wait. And and on our next episode, we're going to do a little breakdown on the scouting combine. Plan to release that um, before Pace and Nagy talk, and then. You know, maybe we'll maybe we'll put in an extra show next week after Pace and Nagy talk.
2: Yeah, I mean we can we can do whatever, man. I mean, it, as long as we got stuff to talk about, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of it.
1: I am I am so in for that. Um, yeah, thanks again, everyone, for listening. This has been the Bear Report podcast. I'm with your host Zach Pearson. As always, Aaron Lemming has joined me. Um, Aaron, where can I follow you on Twitter?
2: Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL.
1: You can find me at Zach underscore Pearson and Zach with a K. to read both of our work on the Bear Report and uh, like, rate, subscribe, do whatever you have to do for this podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.